In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 292. Ooh, yeah, edging ever closer to that epic 300. That's right. <laughs> and, and we're and as we're rolling downhill, this episode might be a speed bump. <laughs> we hit That's a big true. rock no, this, on the way down. Because this episode is 292, do not expect any remarkable content because, you know, it's not a round number of some kind. <laughs> so... Yeah, 292, we are covering Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, issue 26 and 27, which is the start of the uh, new New Gods story arc, which is, oh hell, I already forgot the name of the title. <laughs> What's the name of the story arc? Fall the Gods. Fall the Gods, there you go. We can only um, hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I am taking issue 26, Mark is taking issue 27, uh, and we will just go ahead and get right into it. So, creative team consists of writer Robert Venditti, penciler Rafa Sandoval, inker Jordi Tarragona, colorist uh, Tomeo Mori, uh, letterer Dave Sharp, cover by Sandoval, Tarragona, and Mori, uh, variant cover by Cully Hamner, and some Jokers. Uh, I, story have, I open- have the standard cover for this one. Yeah, the uh, celestial fight. <laughs> yeah, that 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 looks okay. Um, yeah, it's okay. the variant cover. I don't know if you've seen it. Looks mm, odd. Uh, they almost there's a shocker, right? Yeah. Um, we open kind of with some cosmicness going on um, somewhere in the vast unknown reaches of existence. Metal rings against metal, shaping, forging. Reverberations echo throughout the multiverse, and deep inside a world called Old Genesis, metal awakes. This is when Graf awakens from his sleep um, with a terrible premonition, gets ready and says he needs to warn the others. Meanwhile, over inside the command center on Mogo, John is approaching Salak and company, asking... How's the universe hanging? And basically, Salix says, you know, there are a few skirmishes here and there, but everything seems to be operating smoothly, and the people who, uh, who are assigned to those various sectors are, are doing well. Uh, he says that uh, he dispatched Jordan and Rainer to um, watch over a treaty dispute and so on and so forth, but they're on the way back now. John says, no, keep him out there in the field for a little bit just in case anything goes down. Uh, guy's like, hey, Johnny, I'm over here sitting on my ass doing nothing. Uh, I need to do something. 
John stalls and says, I just need to find somebody uh, to uh, you're supposed to be on guard duty down in the jail with Vaz. And he's like, prison duty. Come on. Um, John's like, I'm just waiting for somebody. If I can pair you up with our like our who'll keep, you know, keep you in check. But really you're my best friend and I need you by my side. And guys like, that's all you had to say. Suddenly, Salak notices um, unexplained sub-gravitational field in Sector 1419, calls Kyle and Hal, redirects them to it. Uh, we see Sector 1419 and what's going on. This is when Graf is uh, approaching John, saying he needs to talk to him. Then all of a sudden, this big-ass celestial thing shows up and destroys the entire Star system in 1419. Um, Graf is up too late. Right after the celestial uh, item thing does his uh, does his business in the <laughs> in the system. This is when Hal and um, Kyle show up. Too late. Um, then they hear ping, ping, ping. Kyle doesn't recognize the sound, but Hal does. He erects a wall and a uh, a, a gun slash cannon <laughs> uh, and gets ready. This is when a boom tube opens up. Here comes Orion saying, Hey, I've been sent by high father to grab the green lantern core and the white lantern. We're going to need everybody on deck. That's when Hal breaks the bad news that this new guy you see here, you don't recognize is actually the white lantern. No more of a white lantern. It's like, well, this is just beautiful. All of a sudden, some Omega beams come streaking through space, knocking over. Orion in the chest and essentially killing him. Um, so Jordan calls John and asks for medical attention for Orion. Uh, John recognizes that they are next to Salak's home world. Salak directs uh, them to the pre preeminent doctor on his home world. Hal and Kyle show up. The doctor directs them to where he's at. They shock Orion back to life. Um, and that's when the ping, ping, ping starts up again. A boom tube opens, and there's the Celestial standing over. Status of New God Designate Orion. Alive, commence culling. And next, Heavy Metal. And I can't help with a title like that going, Heavy Metal? Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> that would have been better than the issue. <laughs> By the way, they are doing uh, uh, Bill and Ted comics now. And they're actually pretty damn good. <laughs> I mean, if, if if you like if you like the Bill and Ted universe and have fond memories of that and just like that world that it was created in, they're doing pretty good a pretty good job with the Bill and Ted sort of mythos, if you want to put it that way. I mean, obviously, it's full of a bunch of stupid puns and innuendos. And are you still there? Yeah, I'm listening to. Okay, it's still, it's 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 full of a bunch of it's it's full of a bunch of puns and stupid innuendos and stuff like that, like you would expect a a Bill and Ted type of uh, subject matter to be. But it's it's really freaking good. I think right now that because there was there was this is the third miniseries, fourth miniseries that's come out in the past three or four years. Um, I think this one is Bill and Ted Save the Universe. Before that was like Bill and Ted Go to Hell. Which had a really... I'm going off on a Bill and Ted tangent. That's how bad this story arc is. <laughs> we'll be spending more time talking about Bill and Ted than we will be talking about issues uh, 26 and 27. True. Uh, the, I think the Bill and Ted Go to Hell 
had a really cool variant series where it looked like you were taking a straight on picture of like a, uh, uh, a, a record shop where you have all the vinyls lined up and you can flip through them, flip through a stack of comics at a, at a, in a, in a long box. But so it's like you're flipping through vinyls and each one had a different Bill and Ted, you know, wild stallions vinyl variant cover, which is like a record, like an album cover, which was really freaking cool. And I made sure to, for, for the Bill and Ted, uh, go to hell series to get every floppy issue in the variant instead of the the primary cover because those variants are so cool looking. <clears throat> I'm a big Bell and Ted fan. <laughs> so I just saw Heavy Metal and I was like, it reminded me of that scene. What was it? Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, uh, so yeah, this is a story. Um some positives, some positives, some positives. Well, I think one one positive is it's good to see that when he's not selling pickles, the Vlasic uh, Pelican there has a job because he's working in the Green Lantern <laughs> Corps headquarters. <laughs> um, another positive is some interpersonal relationships. You know, uh, John and uh, Guy have a moment. Yep. Uh, Kyle and Hal, I didn't mention it, but Kyle and Hal do have a moment where they're traveling through space on their way to check out what's going on. But Hal checks in with Kyle, like, how you doing, man, after everything had just happened. Um, so that was good to see. Served your right for banging my woman next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another positive, I would say, is the art for the most part. Mm. Uh, not, not the Kyle parts, though. Even though it does get worse. Compared to the next it, issue, Kyle looks Kyle looks like, like cla- Kyle looks almost Daryl Banks-like compared to what he looks like in the next issue, which is atrocious. And mind you, that's still going out in a stretch because, because God, looking at Kyle, the way Kyle, Kyle has been drawn in general just lately, no matter who draws him, it's like, just makes you long for Daryl to be drawing him again. <laughs> yeah. So, by and large, for the most part, I like the art in this issue. Uh, I, I, do, I do see and understand what you're talking about uh, in the next issue, especially with Kyle, and so, especially in some profile shots. Um, uh, I do like also the inclusion of Salak's homeworld. It's been a while since we had a Salak heavy story, and I do like uh, it, this. Who gives a shit if it spoils something in the next issue? But I get the feeling that this doctor is more than he seems. Uh, he's kind of one of those doctors who he's he's like House. You know, if you guys ever watch the House TV show, he's. He's the he's the doctor that's not afraid to push limits to learn something new, or to, I mean, he does that here, uh, he does that in the next comic, um, and I'm also wondering what Salek's hesitation is. Yes, that's what I was going to say. That maybe maybe there's a relation, maybe there's, they're related or something. So something, or unless Salek knows more about what's going on than we think, because because at this point they don't really really they don't really know. The two and two, why, what the relationship with, between Orion and this thing is, and what. But by the time you get to the next issue, you do, and yet they still make a really horrible decision at the end of the issue. But at least here, you don't. You, it seems logical to try to take him to you know, the first place you could you could treat him. Unless you know, the other aspect is it's it's Salik maybe just going. You know what? Things may have been going relatively decent, okay, you know, recently for the core, but. I don't want to send Hal and Kyle to my home planet with a new god. 
whatever is going on must be pretty intense, and I don't want to put my people at risk. Yeah, it could be it could be as simple as that. Yeah, because because let's be let's be honest the whole the whole the whole kind of premise of this where where Orion's just going to show up, and I and I have to point out that you know yeah Orion has always kind of had an attitude regardless of when you what period you visit Orion in and who's writing him and stuff, but I don't really like this Orion. He just kind of, doesn't. He just doesn't see. There's nothing really likable about this Orion. And I usually used to find at least something likable about him. That the just the fact that he comes, he gets sent to find the Green Lantern Corps, and as as Hal accurately points out, the last time we saw you guys, you friggin' started a war, and just because they they flipped on a dime and said, "Okay, we were wrong," it's not supposed. Doesn't mean everything's all hunky dory where you just see him show up and everything's gonna be, you know, you're not you're gonna be a little leery just just to see these guys show up again and and. And it's not like Orion is, is a is a a treasure trove of information here, being willing to share information while at the same time he's looking for help. So, <laughs> I I always can I always liken Orion at least in terms of personality. Now he is not a one for one representation, but he has a lot of the same traits, personality slash ego wise, as I imagine Hercules from Marvel. He's got a lot of that same bravado, I feel. Um, so I, I definitely like it. And actually, speaking of Marvel, did you notice anything about Orion's new helmet? Um, Does that remind you of anything that's maybe coming out next month or a month or two? In the theaters for oh, Marvel? Oh, yeah, okay. Now, now that you said that, yeah, it looks like kind of there is a slight resemblance, slight resemblance I guess. To uh, maybe more in some pictures, to Thor's helmet and, and yeah, it looks it looks like it's got little wings and then it looks like it flips down the same way Thor's does, you know. Except looks, this has got a visor. The, when the visor's down, it also looks again like the Prometheus helmet a little bit. When the visor's that's down. true. Or ba- or or like Dark Knight Batman's helmet too, uh, a little bit. So yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, outside of that. Look, I know they're dumb, and I know we're calling them Celestials, and obviously next issue we'll figure out they're called Golems. Um, but I, I do like the design of them. I think they're cool looking. Yeah, they're um, cool looking. Yeah, so I, 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 I give that a positive. As for some of the negatives, you know, this, this, take, this issue taken in and of itself, not a bad entry point for the story. I do have certain problems with the art here and there. My main problem is I really don't like that big splash page of Kyle and Hal. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's too much shading or something, but where it says uh, transluminal space, a web of subspace, pathways, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't like that page. That looks really weird to me. Um, and they... I feel like they kind of reused it, that same page. They just made Kyle slightly closer to Hal because – so uh, the next page, the next page, the next page, the, the page where you first see the Celestial or the, the Golem in the second panel where it says two. It looks like the exact same shot. Yeah, you're right. It does. You, I mean, they even have the same expressions on their face. 
So, but then there are other pages I think where things look pretty interesting and cool. I do like uh, kind of the boom effect when a boom tube is here because I get the feeling that this is like a like, like boom tubes have different types. Like this is like a holy shit, I need to get somewhere fast kind of a boom tube. It's like a violent explosion as opposed to, ah, I've entered the coordinates, I intend to go there, I just slowly opened up a boom tube, and I'm you know kind of moseying my way on through where this seems like somebody just ripped open a boom tube and said, get the hell out of there as fast as you possibly can kind of a boom tube. Um, so do you like the boom tube effect? But I don't know. I just, I have no, I don't have much interest in the new gods themselves, but that may be because of lack of experience. I haven't actually sat down and read like some of the classic fourth world stuff, which I mean, of anything, was it just yesterday was uh, Jack Kirby's a hundredth birthday? Something like that. Yes. Recently. Yeah. Everybody, everybody was celebrating. I, you know, I posted hashtag Kirby 100 or whatever. And, was posting some of their favorite artworks. Like I posted the cover to the the first uh, demon story, which is the demon Etrigan. But um, <clears throat> I just don't have much experience with new gods enough, at least enough to care when they show up and care about their politics and and all that other stuff. Yeah, well, we 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 know we know what I think about the new gods. <laughs> We know we know what I think about the new gods, and even though I've I've been on the record for saying you know Godhead was surprisingly good, considering uh, that I don't give three pounds of monkey crap about the new gods as a general rule, with the occasional character here and there that I care a little bit about, like Orion's usually one I care a little bit about, a little bit about Metron's one I care a little bit about, uh, the. More classic High Father, I care a little bit about. Not this asshole new Fifty Two post, <laughs> this rebirth one. The one, the one we saw in Godhead, I could, I don't care about either. To me, that's not High I Father. Like, I like, I like the Black Racer sometimes, which is interesting because I posted on my Facebook today actually. Uh, this this we're recording this on a Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, which is the thirtieth, August thirtieth. Um, is it's a fifth week and. DC used to do cool shit for fifth weeks, but now, you know, basically every publisher nowadays is just like, eh, let's just throw out a bunch of trades and some crap and nothing really special. But because they're doing all those Kirby specials, like they had that Manhunter special and all that other stuff. We actually had a listener, I don't know if it was on Twitter or email or whatever, tell us that they were, they were uh, <clears throat> reading that and they're like, it has nothing to do with them. <laughs> the, the Manhunter is the Guardians created. <laughs> Yes, Manhunter is in addition to being a robot, you know, uh, line created by the Guardians. It's also a title <laughs> passed down from various what vigilantes slash spies slash whatever uh, <laughs> over the years. But uh, the reason I say it's ironic is actually tomorrow the one and only comic I'm even slightly interested in is a Black Racer. Kirby specials type of comic that they're releasing. <clears throat> Makes sense. They are going new god crazy for whatever friggin' reason. Uh, yeah. And other, we'll other, get than the, that. other than the Kirby thing, but it just seems like it's it's still kind of like, I don't know. It is kind of pushing it, though. 
this a little bit. Yeah, and 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 this story, and as we when we get into twenty seven, which will be like in a second, that this this uh the story arc better start kicking it into higher gear, or else this is going to be a this is going to be a big thud. All right, go ahead, take it away. Uh, this issue is a big thud. <laughs> Let's talk about the defender. <laughs> Uh, I have the I have the variant cover on this with uh with the destroyer holding Hal in his hand. <laughs> uh, that's that's not such a bad variant cover. Hal, you like that forever. sort of you you like that sort of sketchy crosshatch style there? Say that again. You were break. We broke up a little. You like that sort of sketchy crosshatch style there? For Hal, you mean? Yeah. No, I was just gonna say Hal. Hal doesn't. Hal kind of looks like. Hal kind of looks like crap now that I'm actually looking at it more close up. I I like the pose and I and I kind of like the uh, I like the golem there. Hmm. Golem. Uh, I think we'll stick with golem. I, mean, I was trying to look for the proper pronunciation on this online, but I'll listen. But that's, it's it's golem. It is golem. I, there's like three. I was, there's like three different pronunciations they said, and there's one that's wrong. So let's go with golem. Goal. Uh, well, you're talking to the Ragman guy, and his history is and origin is tied into the legend of the Golem. So <laughs> it's Golem. <laughs> All right, so let's let's begin with part two, issue twenty-seven, Fall of the Gods, All Heart. Aw, what a what a what a, what an appropriate title. Uh, Venditti, Sandoval, Toragona, Moray, Sharp. It's- Did you say something? You broke up again. <laughs> okay. Uh, pretty much, pretty much the same group as as the last issue. So this picks up exactly where we left off with uh with with the with the more like the Red Lantern Golem here, pretty much on uh in Space Sector fourteen eighteen, and he's about to, you know he's about to deal with deal with Orion and uh, essentially uh. I'll, this is really funny when Hal pretty much tells Kyle's like, make sure make sure Orion doesn't do anything stupid. And when Kyle asks Hal, what are you gonna do? Uh, something stupid. <laughs> and of course that means only one thing with Hal. He flies off to take on the Golem, you know, himself. You see all the uh, all of Salix people looking like uh, pretty pretty shit scared. Uh, some of them are in danger of getting crushed. Kurt and uh, Hal kind of like put, makes a green bubble around them to de- to defend them. Hal's at least able to knock the golem down. Kyle looks absolutely like crap in this issue. His hair is like completely horrible. Looks like he hasn't washed his hair in 50 years. So, meanwhile, Kyle's just trying to get some basic respect from uh, from Orion, who doesn't really show <laughs> show much. Hal's telling everybody to get off the streets. Meanwhile, the golem there is preparing the Omega weapon for for, for Orion. Uh, Kyle keeps trying to get more information for you know like uh wh- you know why this thing is trying to kill the new gods and Orion who's again for a guy who's coming looking for help from some, some from somebody you picked a war with not that long ago you think you'd be a little bit more forthcoming about why you actually needed their help or why they're actually after you but no this that's new gods business and and crap like that so not only so even more reason not to care about the new gods uh. Meanwhile, you know, Hal is seriously taking one for the team here, trying to distract the golem, doing everything he can, and uh, pretty much the, uh, the the doctor on Salix's homeworld is trying to point out the fact that oh, you uh, you need you need time to rest. You know, you had some serious wounds, and he's like, relax, doc, I heal quick. It's and 
The Omega weapon is 38% charge. The, he, the golem engages Orion. Kyle kind of like protects him with a... Makes a green energy construct of himself, which I like. Mir- mirroring Kyle's own pose as he kind of has Orion cradled in his constructed hand. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Hal, Hal continues to do his absolute very best here to contain... Um, to, to contain the golem. At some point... At some point during this mess, we kind of find out that essentially... That as as long as as long as Orion has a heartbeat, which is as long as he seems alive essentially, and the golem detects life in him, he's going to be going after him. So that's the reason why after Orion was shocked that for before Orion got brought down to the planet and he was shot shocked back to life, uh, that the golem was about was about ready to leave him. So pretty much at this point, they got they kind of figured out that nothing's going to stop this guy from from destroying me and or wherever I am and the people around me until my, unless my heart stops beating. And this is when we kind of figure out, miraculously enough, that, you know, doc, Dr. Frankenstein Salak over here, uh, <laughs> that he basically has created a, for lack, he calls it a blood circulation engine. Essentially, it's this uni, it's a universal artificial heart. And they come up with this, you know, really stupid but effective plan, because, which... Which all depends on Kyle, which kind of mirrors exactly what we saw with uh, with with, with uh, Tomar too. There, having to, <laughs> using all his power to create a, a shield around that Sinestro core ring, so it couldn't go anywhere else. Well, Kyle more or less has to take this blueprint. Though this would obviously have been a better job suited for for John, given the opportunity, but because of John's architecture, uh, architectural background, but Kyle more or less has to look at these plans, create this thing at a light. And then at this point, you know, pretty much Orion, what, Orion stabs himself in the chest with his dagger. They essentially remove Orion's heart. They put in this artificial device. As soon as, as, soon as that happens, the, the golem no longer detects Orion's heartbeat and pretty much hightails it out of there. <laughs> Hal comes down on the planet and, and, you know, the doctor is all happy. Oh, my engine, it works. And you, and you see Orion, you know, Barely alive with this artificial heart thing in him, and his real heart's being kept in this, <laughs> kept in this, uh, in this sphere. And <laughs> Hal's like, Kyle, when I said not to let Orion do something stupid, what do you think I meant? <laughs> and now, and and now here comes a pretty, a pretty dumb decision. Even though at the moment Orion doesn't have a heartbeat, but still, <laughs> let's take him to Mogo because in case a heart, <laughs> in case something changes, let's take him right to the heart of the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> But they take Mog- they take the in- the injured Orion. They take they take the doctor back. They're all back on Mogo. Um, Kyle, meanwhile, has, cr- has hovered over this guy, doing everything he can to concentrate all his willpower because he big- has to keep this stupid energy constructed machine together until the time comes that or- Orion's real heart can be put back in him. Guys. Guy's always there to help by saying, "Hey Kyle, try not to think about trying to t- having to take a whiz." <laughs> oh, guy. Um, now we have an entry, which is kind of cool. Getting the, one of the first uses of a Sinestro Corps member, one of the ones that joined the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, Two Lobe comes in, and Two Lobe had the ability as a telepath to. In the past, he was able to implant crime victims' uh, memories and thoughts and experiences into their assailant's mind, more or less to uh, scare remorse into the assailants. And now John needs him to essentially almost do the opposite, which is to extract uh, thoughts and feelings from inside Orion, 
because Orion pretty much is is in a, a medical coma at this point. Until the time comes, he gets his heart put back. He's pretty much going to be out of action. So using the keyword golem, <laughs> we basically get the origin of the of of these golems that they were created by Yuga Khan, who was the ruler of the old gods, uh, who basically feared that his children were going to usurp his power and and topple him. Which of course he ended up being right. Uh, Yuga Khan was trapped into the source wall eventually, and his army, if these soldiers that he created to protect him and kill all his descendants, were seemingly lost. But now these are all the these are all the golems that Yuga Khan created. They created out of out of, out of ninth metal. Uh, they have been awakened for reasons mysterious, conveniently conveniently enough, and they pretty much are going after the new gods since uh, High Father is the son of Yuga Khan and Lord of the New Gods. So that seemingly is the basic reason. I'm sure there's more to it why they're specifically going after them. They were looking for High Father. In the memory, basically in the memory bank, or the uh, the thoughts of Orion, but Orion, being such a loyal soldier to High Father, kind of had that memory blocked. But the one thing that Tulobe was able to pull out was the word Light Ray, who's the fastest flyer than in the New Gods, and pretty much that they they come to the conclusion that he must be with High Father, more or less trying to keep one step ahead of the Golems. Um, <clears throat> John puts Guy in charge of more or less protecting Kyle. Uh, who's again pretty much out of out of commission too, since he has to keep that constructed heart machine going. And John, this is this is a Yanshi flashback, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, because you can't have you can't have that without can't have a John can't have too much of a go too far in John, with using John without a Yanshi flashback, though it is appropriate that John kind of laments every time they cross paths with the new gods. You know, something bad happens. And after you get the little Zanshi memory in, in John's mind, how you know John's kind of like you know we you know we we, we can't let New Genesis fall because it's the front lines and keeping Apocalypse in check. So someone has to get the Light Ray and High Father before the Golems do. And it's like uh, you took a lot of hits today, Hal. Do you think you're up to this? And it's like ah, oh, an aerial chase to catch a god of speed with the survival of the multiverse riding on the outcome. All systems go. <laughs> Next <laughs> issue, space race. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, and well, at least my favorite part of this issue, was one little small like aside part uh, of the story is when Orion talks to his little bike thing and says, "All right, A4, let's go." Yeah, that was kind of cool. Uh, he's he's referring to his his obviously his little bike thingy. However, uh, his I don't know <laughs> space seg. <laughs> essentially uh, uh you stand on it you lean forward and it goes uh, <laughs> but um it's it's one of the things i do know of of the new gods material i've read is depending on the stories you've read mother box usually has a personality of some kind uh the same way the ring sometimes can have a personality but maybe not it's always been kind of nebulous because i don't think you've ever heard mother box speak the way you hear the ring speak at least in the stories i've read it's always been almost like how like luke or somebody would automatically seemingly understand r2's beeps you know it's it's almost like the new gods would hear the mother box speaking and it wasn't in english but they they just understood um 
But this is taken a step beyond, which there's precedent for because the Forever People had their superbike. And the superbike acted a lot like Motherbox. It had its own little personality, too. And for those of you who watched Young Justice, uh, you know what I'm talking about because the superbike plays a role in there because it, it becomes like a little pet slash flying motorbike for Superboy. Uh, and the Forever People do show up, up there, uh, too. But uh, so it's it's it, there is a precedent set for the new gods interacting with their technology much the same way Green Lanterns interact with their rings when it comes to a ring that has a personality in the first place. So I thought that was pretty cool, yeah, even if it was only like a small little corner of a panel <laughs> on one page. But I thought that was I thought it was pretty cool to see him. Like, you know, he, he said something to it. He's like, before. And it was like, we <laughs> like affirmative, sir. <laughs> you know, let's let's take off and do this. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Kyle's interaction um, while he's drawn oddly, uh, badly, let's say. Um, I do like that he sees the artistic slash blueprints for this thing. He's like, I can do that. And just does it and it works um it's maybe deus ex machina type thing but it still works and it makes sense that kyle of all people could do it um so i thought that was pretty interesting um the thing i don't like okay the thing i do and don't like is the history of these golems because it says um Yuga Khan's army stands revealed enormous golems made of one of the multiverse's most powerful substances, the nth metal. <sighs> um, for those of you not aware, DC Comics is doing a DC metal event. And by the way, Mark, they are doing that Green Lantern metal. Do we want to review that the same way we did the... Uh, what was it? The... Uh, Dark Side War one shot, but isn't that? But isn't is? I thought the crossover with Metal is an actual issue of Hell in the Core. I thought it was its own thing. I th- I, th- I think it's a one shot the same way that we had that Hal Jor- that Green Lantern one shot during Dark Side War. Uh, we'll have to check the solicits because I thought it was I, th- I thought it was a one shot issue of of Hal Jordan in the Core. I thought it might actually be the one, once. I think it might be the next, the first issue in Hal and the Core once the uh, once this arc concludes. I thought it was, but we'll find hmm. out. Um, but anyways, um, DC is doing this metal story, which I read Dark Knight's Metal number one, uh, and I for the most part enjoyed it. But one of the things I didn't like about it is how Inth Metal has become this mystical, super-powerful, deus ex machina-type thing. Like, it's tied into everything. And I don't want to give much about the story, but it's tied into the Challengers of the Unknown. It's tied into Red Tornado. It's tied into, obviously, Hawkman and Hawkgirl. It's tied into the Blackhawks. Um, it's tied into potentially Dr. Fate. It's tied into Plastic Man, Metamorpho. Like, there are so many things 
that it's tied into. It's also tied into potentially Batman himself. And mm, don't want to. Okay, spoilers for uh, DC Metal uh, number one. If you don't want to know the reveal on the last page, then like skip forward five seconds. So Dream from Sandman shows up on the final page as well. So like there is a shit ton of stuff in in the DC universe that somehow is now all of a sudden connected to nth metal in some way, shape, or form. It's almost like you know how uh, now it's obviously existing on the TV shows and like the like the Flash TV show, but you know how like there's metahumans and they all have like a catalyst. You know the the meta the meta gene is what gives most people their powers. You know, it's a simple explanation for why people have powers and some don't. Some have the metagene and some don't. There are a lot of people who have the metagene, but not all of them have something that – some sort of catalyst happens to them that activates said metagene. Well, they're using the nth metal in the story as if it's a huge explanation for why so many various people of various types and abilities have these various powers. Keep in mind, this is only the first issue of the DC Metal, so maybe that's not exactly what they're saying, but that's the impression I'm getting. So to suddenly have DC Metal making Nth Metal be a huge thing and then get to this story, and now these golems that have survived centuries from old Genesis are also Nth Metal. <laughs> and there are potent- the, the, the DC Metal story obviously has to do with the multiverse. Well, they mentioned the multiverse like three times in this in these two issues put together. I think they mentioned it at the beginning of my issue. I think they mentioned it maybe twice in yours. So like they're they're specifically doing this nth metal multiverse thing for a reason right now in the DC universe comics. Sounds like more fun to read than this. It, it it actually is I, but you know the DC metal stuff I enjoy because evidently who is it Snyder I think it's Snyder yeah Snyder's been working on this for a while like he's been laying little groundworks things here and there for quite a long while uh, almost Jeff John stylish he's been building to this it's the story evidently that he's wanted to tell um, it's got Greg Capullo art. But primarily the reason I was really excited about this issue was like all the shout outs. You know, I do will be doing again the Action Comics Weekly show. And, you know, the Blackhawks are one of the things I've come to really enjoy uh, about the DC Universe that I hadn't before I started in doing that show. And the Blackhawks are in this. So I was really enjoying a lot of the shout outs that happen uh, in this episode. I've always earned this in this issue. And I really like I like Dr. Fate and um it was interesting seeing the challenges to the unknown and all, and all of this stuff. So I did like a lot of those call outs. Um, so if, if you're interested, uh, if you were casually curious about the DC metal, I definitely recommend picking it up. It seems like part of it's, I don't want to say it's a tie in. Uh, I don't want to say like this is, uh, this is a in DC metal or DC metal is a tie into this, but it seems like, the knowledge you get from reading DC Metal could somehow 
impact the knowledge that you have going into reading this New God story in Green Lantern? Like, it's not going to hurt you to not read it, and they're not out and out saying it's a crossover, but it seems like there's some knowledge there that might be beneficial for you if you're reading both at the same time. It makes sense. But Mark did not like this issue. (laughs) (laughs) As as usually is the case when I go back and reread stuff one last time before we record, I tend not to dislike things as much as my first first go-through. But uh, no, I thought this issue didn't... I know we technically got some background on what's the deal with the golems and do and oh do you think that uh Khan over there do you think he's Khan do you think he's going to be the one the titan that came through the source wall Oh no you don't think so uh, No you're talking about that beast with the claws and everything Yeah I know I know it doesn't necessarily match the match the picture description but we've seen people We've seen people kind of retcon their own shit too. So, uh, real quick. Uh, no, but only because I was that that interview that uh, Myron had with Venditti uh, that I posted that one clip from in that one of our episodes recently, relatively recently. He mentions that as a plot thread that was left, and um, basically what Venditti says is he knows what that was supposed to be, and there are no plans to come back to it anytime soon because. Evidently, that was a, uh, a th- that plot point was a casualty of all the stuff that happened afterwards. What was it? Uh, was it the edge of the universe or, or, or rebirth or whatever? Rebirth. Rebirth is what rebirth is. Rebirth is what killed. Uh, yeah, his original his original series that all led to that was at the end of rebirth. So yeah, so. It's just the casualty of everything that ended up happening. Uh, that doesn't obviously that doesn't mean that he this, this that interview happened towards the beginning of of Venditti's uh, run with Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, so things could have changed. But we do know that Venditti's like ten issues ahead of wherever we are in reviews because in terms of plotting. So it's possible that maybe he, you know, was like, yeah, maybe I will come back around to it. And I'll just kind of retcon that it was actually this. So. Anything's a possibility, but based on that interview, I would say no. Okay. I, I mean, I, it didn't look like it should match, but that, that's the first thing that crossed my mind when I'm reading the issue is because of the fact that we know that that, that is a dangling plot point. Uh, the one thing the one thing I would have to say about this, which, of course, is kind of, again, a, it is a backhanded compliment, but still, <laughs> at, least, at least we won't be able to say in this arc that uh, – no matter how the story plays out, that this follows the typical Robert Venditti pattern of a great build-up and a not-so-great ending, because this certainly has not had a great build-up. <laughs> this is this is when you think about a New God storyline, more or less. This is exactly this. Even though, to be fair, it's barely a New God storyline because it's just an Orion storyline as of first two issues, really. That uh, this is like my, this is like your prototypical nightmare of what I imagine a new god story being because I don't give three pounds of monkey crap about anything that's going on in here, which is exactly what I feared what was going to happen in Godhead, but that was a surprise. And Godhead actually ended well, even though it was really forced and everybody being kumbaya after you, this guy was trying to wipe you out for for three months worth of of stories. All of a sudden, uh, yeah, it's okay. But 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care about this story right now, and we, we, we're honestly given no reason to care because, <laughs> because at the moment we, the, the, the golems seem entirely intent on wiping out the new gods and, and other, and, uh, who knows? And they may, they may end up wanting to wipe out Dark Apocalypse too. I mean, but, but at the point is, either way, other than, other than them being a buffer, other than being like a yeah, like John mentions, they're the last line of defense right. from than, other Apocalypse. Than, other than the new gods being the 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 buffer, like the uh, what the what the thirty eighth parallel in, in between North and South Korea. Other than being that demilitarized zone, they, they it really seems at the moment anyway to be no real threat to us as in, in the Green Lantern Corps and our universe. As and it probably is, but we have that has not been made clear yet. So at the moment, we have no vested interest in this, and and knowing what this thing can do, bringing Yes, an incapacitated Orion. But if they're wrong, if Orion is wrong, and the thing isn't just 100%, you know, zeroing in on a heartbeat alone, that, that its initial, maybe its initial tracking is heartbeat, but then after, after it get, you know, either way, if anything causes the, you know, if anything causes <laughs> this thing to figure out that Orion is not technically dead, then, then friggin' Mogo and the whole Green Lantern Corps is in danger, so that doesn't seem like a really bright decision when you already saw what this thing can do. Like, you would think there would have to be someplace else off-world you could, you could, take, you could take him. Uh, but either way, it's just I don't care about the story right now. I think Hal actually comes across pretty well in, in the story, I think. Hal's natural impulsiveness works in this issue. Are these two issues? He has a good showing against the uh, against the, the golem, even though the golem really isn't interested in Hal. So it's kind of like more like trying to get that mosquito out of your way when you're trying to concentrate when you're trying to do a project. But I like that Hal comes across pretty cool, and Hal's reaction, to, like I mentioned before, to Orion was pretty straightforward and logical. And but I, I also did, I also didn't like the how on some and and so, I think it was more I thought it was the second issue, but. Uh, when Orion almost was trying to act almost a little bit more buddy buddy when he started calling when he started calling him Hal or something or maybe it was the end of the first issue and instead of calling him Jordan calling him Hal it's like they don't have that kind of relationship where they should be any kind of buddy buddy they should be they should be barely lukewarm to each other overall based on their previous encounters so but it is what it is I hope it gets better but because of what because of the subject matter that we're dealing with no I don't have a lot of hope that it's going to and it's sort of, oh, it's one thing I did want to mention. You notice who's, cons- and this goes back before this. This goes back to the whole, basically the entire, during the entire use of the Sinestro Corps, I think during the Venditti run at this point. But now that we're dealing with the new gods, it comes it comes back to, to your head and into, pops into your mind. You notice who's you're conspicuously, conspicuously absent during the, all this whole Sinestro Corps stuff, now that we're related to the, now that the new gods are back. You know, so we haven't seen much of or any of, at, seen of at all. Related, you know. Indigo? No, but even though that's true, think New Gods and think Sinestro Corps. Oh, uh, the Sinestro Corps member, uh, that's, that's a New God. Yeah. Becca. Yeah. That's what yeah. I thought, but I, when I was rereading that, it's like, we, I, I, said, I, don't think, I, I don't think we've seen Becca during the entire Venditti run, even when we were looking at the Sinestro Corps. If we did, she was only in the black in a background, and we never saw any characterization of her. So that was a that's a weird omission in general, because she was a key member. She was one of the few Sinestro Corps members that we actually knew. <laughs> really, uh, there's only like a handful of members that we we really know of the Sinestro Corps. 
So she act this would so that just came popped into my head too. It's like yeah, we haven't seen her at all. We don't know where you know did she die on War World? Was she with the Sinestro Corp, the loyal the loyalist to Sinestro, and she never got captured? It seems like it, that's another thing that's kind of a da- it's dangling because it's, it's but it struck it struck me because since we were dealing with the new gods, but but I don't really care about um, the story. We just we just gotta hope it. Uh, are are High Father and Dark Side brothers? Weren't they? I thought. I don't. I don't I'm trying I don't to remember. I'm trying to remember. I thought we know they're re, they're related, aren't they? But it's. I do, I don't know. I, I think I later. might be getting them confused with Monitor and Anti Monitor, which they do consider themselves brothers, because they were born at the same time across the across ma- positive matter universe and anti matter universe. Let's see. I'm trying to find. Uh... Because I, if if they're brothers, then wouldn't that make Darkseid and Apocalypse a threat too? Yeah, that's what I was think. That's what I was kind of thinking. But let's see. Uh, the goal wouldn't the golem want to just golems want to just wipe them out too, since they're all family, even if it's New Genesis and Apocalypse, but they're all family. Yeah, I don't. They may not be brothers. I don't think they're. I don't think they're brothers. But I'm tr- I'm trying to find. Because I know Highfather and uh, Darkseid each had sons, and they swapped yes, sons yes, as yes. a peace, peace arrangement. That's how – isn't Orion the son of Darkseid? Yes, Orion's and, the son of Darkseid. That, that, that part I remembered. Um, what's his name is the son of Highfather, the big, the big beastly the, – the big Jack Kirby-looking oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, jeez, I can't believe I can't think of his name. He he went up against Kyle. Yeah, he went up against Hal too. Actually, yeah, Hal, he did. Yeah, he, in the in the Emerald, in the Emerald Knights. Yeah. Storyline. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Darks. Uh, I just had it, and of course, this page has to. I hate when you're on a page, and then all of a sudden you're scrolling down with your mouse, and it goes and it slides back up to the top. Uh, I actually have the Emerald Knights trade here. Uh, that's not. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, it's funny because they were just talking about the old god, so I just saw Yuga Khan. On this thing, um, let's see. Uh, this page really freaking sucks. I really hate when pages like this. Calabac. Yes, Calabac. That's the one. Yeah, Calabac. Uh, is High Father's son, and Orion is uh, Dark Side's son, and they swap sons as some sort of peace arrangement, which doesn't seem to be working ever. <laughs> so, what was the point of that in the first place? Why haven't they just swapped back? Well, that's uh, <laughs> that, well, that's well, that's also. Part of the logic, like Ned taking Theon, you know, it just those yeah. things never, those things never do seem to kind of work out. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, they, they must not, they must not be, they must not be brothers. Um, but I'm, but I'm trying, I'm trying to see if it actually, I'm on one page to see if it actually says how, if there's any kind of relation at all. They may not be, but, but still, they are. I mean, they are success. But the point is, they are successors. I mean, they're new gods to the old gods. So there's yes, there's no, there's no reason why if they succeeded in wiping out the new gods, that maybe they wouldn't then turn their, turn their attention to the, you know, the flip side of that coin because they're all new gods. <laughs> they're just, so I don't know. But but do we really care? Is the bigger question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, True. at this at this moment, I don't I don't I don't know if we I don't know how much we really really care about any, <laughs> but and I'm not trying to be 
a smart ass about this. It's just, you know, I'm hoping it turns out better. I'm not, I can't lie and say I had the ultimate hope for this arc, but because Godhead was actually surprisingly good. But it's funny you say that because I'm scrolling through a search on Google trying to figure out if they're related. And October seventh, twenty fourteen. Three reasons why the Godhead crossover is a must-read for DC fans. Bleeding cool. <laughs> And the and reasons one through three were it's not. <laughs> no, God Godhead was good. I think it's just the only bad thing about Godhead is it went out like a month longer than it needed to. Because once he once he gathered all the rings in the first month, you didn't need to have a whole additional month as a build up before you started dealing with the resolution. You know? Um by the by the way. Okay, so the son of King Yuga Khan and Queen Hegera Prince, U-X-A-S, I don't know how you say that, uh, second in line to the throne of Apocalypse, plotted to seize power over the planet when his brother Drax attempted to claim the fabled Omega Force, U-X-A-S, murdered him, and he took the power from himself, which, as a result, transformed him into a rock-like creature and taking a new name, Darkseid. Oh, okay. So there you go. So, let's see, the son of... So yeah, I guess they would be, Prince they? UX. They, I guess they made, that makes them brothers, or cousins at least, or something, right? Woohoo! So we figured that out. Um, all right, anything else before we move on to uh, voicemail? Yeah, let's just let's 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 move on from this, please. All right, we got a voicemail from Corwin. Uh, two voicemails because somebody doesn't understand time limits, and, <laughs> and, and we're only going to play the first one because the second one is only a few seconds. Apologizing for running over the first. <laughs> so, uh, so, so this voicemail will end uh, sort of abruptly, but but there is no added content actual uh, other than just summarizing the original intent of the first message. So we're going to play the first one and we'll respond to it afterwards. All right. Let's roll. Hey, fellas. Four one again. Another trip, but I just finishing finished listening to episode 289. This whole thing with Sora, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm glad we kind of agree on all points so far with it all. Um, I, I, I will say I don't like the idea of something influencing Sora to a large degree, making her do what she did. I do like the idea of the of the fact that her and her father were once Green Lanterns, so, you know, learning control willpower, I was hoping would have something to do with them being able to master fear all the more, which would give her another reason to actually be the leader of the core, the Sinestro core. So hopefully they play into that, and yes, I mean, we know the farther away you get from the center of the emotional spectrum, the more influence. So, you know, a little bit of something should be in there, pushing Sora, but I don't think that should be the majority of it. I don't feel like that would be fair for a majority of her actions to be the ring or whatever else. Um, when it comes to Kyle, yes, I do like I do like her scarring him. I think that it was deserved. He was an idiot. Um, I mean, I'm going to show a little bit of my colors here when I say, like, when it comes to women, I, I have a thing for passionate women, and uh, passionate in all kinds of ways, and I will say that, yeah, as much as they love you, sometimes they will not hesitate to cut you when you mess up, especially when you mess up more than once, so 
I'm not surprised she gave him what she did, you know, what what she got. I think he deserves it in some ways. And, yes, hopefully he will learn a lesson from it, keep that badge for a while until he decides that he doesn't need it anymore. I think that would be a good point. Um, lastly, yes, I do feel that the whole fracture thing went too fast. I think we could have done with another five months of it, ten more issues of just learning about the partnership or even learning different yellow lanterns so we care more when the fracture happens. I mean, imagine if we'd have given at least two or three other Sinestro Corps members that we've gotten to know, we've gotten to care for, so when this fracture does happen, it could be more similar to, you know, Guy and Arkillo where they don't want to fight each other. You know, the split would have been that much more epic if there were more members of the Sinestro Corps we would have cared about it affecting. And even past that, knowing these characters and coming back to them, because aside from, like, Arkillo, Carosil, Crib. What are the Sinestro Corps members that we know or even really care about? You know, it's time for another uh, secret file where we can have more breakdown of who's out there. Lord knows I'm tired of losing lanterns. People, characters that we know and love, that's known for a long time. You know, we're losing, we're losing them. We need new characters, built-up characters, characters that get some attention. But... And that was pretty much it from Corwin. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he threw in there. I know passionate women of all kinds, <laughs> like especially passionate women. It's like, all right, well, thanks for the clarification, buddy. <laughs> I'm glad you threw it in there. I'm, we had no idea what you were talking about otherwise. <laughs> um, I get it. I get what he's saying about the. Uh, it was. It wouldn't make sense if it was like you know the power of fear getting into her head. I wasn't so much saying that it was fear as more like a something that Sinestro himself deliberately placed like a, you know, a, a, a plan B within the rings so that whoever became the leader after him would have some sort of influence or he's something he did directly to Sora. I wouldn't think it would just be the ring overwhelming her. I think it was it would be something specific, not just the fact that she's been exposed to it for so long. Right, um, but, it's but just, I do. But it's just still. But he's against. But basically, he's and I agree with him. He's kind of against that. Is no matter how you slice it, he's against the idea that she's not essentially doing it of her own free will. Gotcha. Um, I do 100% agree. Fracture should have, in order for it to have been a better story, or at least had a chance at being a better story. It should have been longer or, or pushed further down the road so that we had more time to care about the Yellow Lanterns uh, and, and their working relationship uh, with the Green Lantern Corps. Because it happened so fast that it was just like, all right, well, partnership started and, oh, the power battery has its last piece installed today. Okay, great. Now let's uh, uninstall it. <laughs> it's like, right. I mean, it... it, it... As we, we as we talked about it, it it took away the the impact of this. Other than looking at the relation, this is this is the problem with it. It's like two twofold because there was no build, no real build up to a, in seeing the partnership develop. That it, it, it started, we had like two or th- few two or three issues, essentially of them not being at war, <laughs> and then and really being partners truly, and then it ended. Uh, that 
because you didn't have the buildup, like like Corwin kind of mentioned and we mentioned that you didn't have the personal interaction between different partners. You got it, and you and you saw the glimmer of with a few of the uh, the Yellow Lanterns we did get to see focused on uh, Tomar's partner, and even in this, and even in this uh, the the god the new gods thing with uh, with Tulobe or whatever it is. That you you get a little bit a little bit in space ape and things like that you get a little bit of tu- a little touch of that so it could have been so you imagine what it could have been if you had more characters given some page time like that plus the ones you already had given some previously getting more development so that would have made the split the fracture more relevant because we would have felt that it sucked for both sides and you actually cared about both sides which is what you really want when something like that happens you don't want it to be clear cut we care about this side we don't care about that side they're right they're wrong because as shocking as it is in the world today not everything is is there are shades of gray not everything is so clear cut so you have that and then the whole thing we were supposed to quote unquote care about, care about was all wrapped up around the BS between Sora and Kyle, who are being jammed and forced back together again overnight, purposely, just because they you knew or they knew that they were going to be breaking up the cores almost overnight, so they had to jam these characters together, even without the Sarko crap. They still would have had they jammed these characters to have their, their romance rekindled just like you know just like that, just because that was going to be our focal point that we were supposed to care so much. And I don't think we did care that. I don't think we did care that much. Like Corwin points out, Kyle was stupid. He did stupid things. He was stupid the first time with Sora. He was even stupider this time. Uh, so, you know what it would have been an easy fix is, I mean, and not even really. Definitely, it could have been pushed out a little more. But one really easy way to make us care more about the Sinestro Corps members or give us the potential to care more about the Sinestro Corps members is if Robert Venditti looked at what Cullen Bunn did on the Sinestro Corps series and instead of creating a bunch of new characters like Space Ape and all the others, that giant one-eyed dude or whatever, he could have used all of those characters that got introduced in the Sinestro Corps series and focused on them instead. Because... Because it, even if Robert Venditti's stories didn't develop them enough, you still have the potential to go back and read stories with those characters in them so that you can get to care about them more. All he had to do was use them. That's it. But he basically said, all right, uh, Sinestro, the Sinestro's title is done. It got up to this crescendo point, and now uh, the Green Lantern Corps is back. They got to take the reins back. Let's disband it and put them uh, the, the two teams together. Which, okay, fine. If that's the direction, if that's the, the editorial edict or, or whatever it may be, fine. Let's do that. But you don't have to scrap everything. And one of the things you could have used are all the characters that. Cullen Bunn took the time to build over in his Sinestro title. Yeah, I mean, ev- I mean, I agree. Eventually, hopefully, we will we will be able to find out exactly what Cullen had planned, and whether that Sinestro series was really ever envisioned to truly be an ongoing, or whether it was always like a limited, like a two to three year run from the get go. Was kind of given, it kind of assumed it would be two to three years, and maybe there was a chance it could go on beyond that. But based on 
based on the stories that were ha- that were planned on being told in that book for a reason and, and how it affected the Green Lantern mythology that you knew that he expected to have like maybe no more that at least he had a two year run in him. But either way, it would be nice to know where he would have taken it. But absolutely, I mean, we've talked we talked about this right off the bat when Hal and the Core started up. Yes, we're, I'm sure when Sinestro comes back into the Green Lantern title, I'm sure we're going to find out. He, we're going to get the typical explanation for why the plan that he came up with before. You know, he knew it wasn't going to work, but this is why he did it. But we said it before when it happened. It was a dumb plan. It was absolutely moronic to take the Sinestro Corps, who had finally earned the trust of everyone in the universe, and to turn around and, collect- and collectively screw them, you know, stick it right up their ass two seconds after they gave them the trust, and piss away all the goodwill because you know you, you're gonna, you could never get that back. So Sinestro had an opportunity to get what he wanted by still being able to instill fear in the people that weren't willing to go along quietly, but he had a whole bunch of planets and and people and that w- they were willing to follow and su- basically submit to the Sinestro Corps being the police force of the universe. There was no need to screw over these people, terrify these people, kill these people, st- steal their kids, all this stuff. There was no need to do that, and not you don't do that immediately. You know that 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 made no sense. So basically, all the cool stuff that Cullen Bunn built up in that book too, that all got that all got ripped that got ripped apart during that Sinestro's Law arc, and then. There was still hope for some of that because we know there were some members of the Sinestro Corps that weren't really always on board with Sinestro's Machiavellian approach. So that's where you seem to have the Sora faction, and that's the idea of allying with the Green Lantern Corps made perfect sense. And being blunt, and he screws that up too. I don't. I don't think it was editorial. I don't think DC told him he had to do this. I think that's what he. That's what he chose to do. I no, I think it, it, it could be because. You have the DC rebirth, which is just basically saying, "Hey, take these core concepts and bring them back down to what their bare essence is supposed to be." So it I might have been—they might have been saying, "All right, we need to reestablish the Green Lantern core pretty quickly here." Well, yeah, but rebirth. But when you really think about it, there wasn't anything that happened in the, re- the Green Lantern titles in Rebirth that really uh, that completely erased the stuff that, that happened before. I mean, we knew the Green Lantern Corps was coming back because they came; they were coming back, at, or technically were back, or on the, on the way back, you know, at the end from uh, Edge of Oblivion, uh, which still hasn't been answered. Yeah, I know, uh, but that's that's what I mean. So it's it either way, it 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 was a choice. So he's had a lot of he's had a lot of cool elements to play with, and let's and again, this isn't this isn't made made to be a shot. This is just an honest assessment. Up, up, up to this point, with all the little toys in the sandbox, has he really done all that much with them? Has he done? The, has he maximized the use of them, really? And I would say no. I mean, maybe when he used Larfleas in, in, in a bottle light arc, that was cool. Maybe that was a good use of him. I don't think he's used the Sinestro core well. I don't... Obviously, we know he hasn't... I mean, this is a beating a dead horse. He hasn't been used the Blue Lanterns well since he took over the book. I mean, let's be honest. Even St. Walker. So, uh... So I, I I don't know what to say. I mean, so, uh, but we'll but you know now we're kind of we kind of went off on a slight tangent. But the real but it's I mean it is related because we all talking Sinestro Core and related to different. I don't know. I I I don't know. I my my enthusiasm in this book has started to go is starting to go back downhill. And this arc, this new gods thing is certainly not helping prevent that slide. Fracture was a cool story, as we talked about, 
it was so forced and it was so short and the way it ended was so unsatisfying on many levels that that did kind of, I think, take the wind out of the sails a little bit for this book. This New Gods thing is a real good way to bring things to a grinding halt unless it picks up dramatically or gives us something completely unexpected. And then, yeah, afterwards we know what's coming down the road, that there's going to be stuff related to, you know, Superman's... uh, Sinestro, something, you know, there's going to be elements of that coming in, and, and again, the crossover with uh, Metal with metal and Batman and all that stuff, so Dark dark Knights or whatever, so, but I don't know, this, 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 I'm losing enthusiasm in this book, and I'm definitely losing enthusiasm in, for Green Lanterns, too. In a way, it's because Humphreys is leaving that book. Is gonna in a way that makes me more uncomfortable. Though it could be bad. For, it could, maybe it's gonna be for the best. But I at least was interested in seeing where Humphreys was going because he seemingly had a plan. And then we don't know how much of what his plans were are gonna get torpedoed now because we know he was working on bringing Frank back, and you know as the Phantom Lantern and everything like that. So I don't know if that's gonna get permanently derailed or we're actually gonna see that in the in the, in the issues and the end of the Volthoom arc or something before it wraps up. But I don't know. I, my enthusiasm for these titles has dropped dramatically, I would say, over the last couple of months. So, uh, Yeah, and by the way, it is its own issue. Batman, the Dawnbreaker, number one. Written by Sam Humphreys with art by Ethan Van Skyver. All right, so... So it is, it, it is its own thing. Okay. Um, all right, anything else you want to talk about before we head out the door? Oh, people are going to talk about the, the Defenders. Ah, oh, the Defenders. It can't be quick. Obviously, you're enthu- obviously I'm not sensing a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, no, it's it's just that between catching up on Game of Thrones and uh, and Rick and Morty and trying to watch some of the movies that uh, excuse me, some of the movies that uh, I've been falling behind on. Like what Mark and I were talking earlier, I'm watching Skull Island right now. Um, it's just been I've watched so many things in between. The, the time I watched Defenders and, and now. But uh, I think Defenders was a good series. I think it lasted as long as I would have wanted it to. Um, for a moment there, I was like, man, there's only going to be like eight episodes of this. And then it ended and I was like, all right, that's that's enough. Uh, not because it was bad. It's just that I don't think it could have been stretched out for more uh, and made sense um for it to do that um sure they have a lot of correct characters crammed in there and stuff i think there could have been more interaction and interplay between some of the supporting cast you know like uh, foggy interacting with other people or or anything like that i just just as one example um one thing i got really annoyed with uh, a lot of people didn't like the Iron Fist series. I I like it. Uh, I don't. It's not my. It's it's my least favorite of the four, but that doesn't mean it's a horrible series. It's just my least favorite of the four. But I was actually annoyed with Iron Fist in this series. Um, there were moments I liked him, but maybe not Iron Fist, but the Iron Fist concepts. Like I felt like, why doesn't Claire just pipe up and be like, "All right, guys, I know it sounds weird." Uh, and you can, you know, debate its origin itself all you want, but I've seen what he can do. He can fight, and he's got some sort of a power, and regardless of if you think it's crazy or not, he's on our side. That's it. Like, her or 
why do I keep forgetting her name? Colleen. Somebody could have said something and just been like, hey, yeah, it sounds batshit insane, but he's on our side and he's got some powers and he can fight. Let's just stop stop the bickering and like the, uh, you're a mortal iron fist? What the hell does that even mean? Kind of snark, because who cares? Uh, I get the skepticism when it comes to the hand, but again, you know, Claire could have piped up to Luke and been like, hey, I saw these things, you know, and, and what they did to these kids, you know, what we're talking, what was that, Daredevil season two? Um, you know, I, I saw what they did to these kids, and I don't know what it is, if you would call it magic, or if you would call it science, since it's beyond us, I don't know what it is, but I've seen it, it's weird, it's crazy, and these are n- not good people, and we need to stop them no matter what what it is they're doing. You don't have to understand why they're doing what they're doing. You just have to understand that whatever they're doing is very likely super bad, and we need to stop them. It, so the hesitation by everybody to get together in the first place to stop all this was kind of bullshit to me. I don't know if you felt the same way, but don't get me wrong. It didn't take away my enjoyment. I did enjoy the series, but there were a couple of moments where I was like, all right, enough of this non-belief crap. Can't we all just agree that the hand sucks uh, and we need to take him out as well as Danny may be batshit crazy, but he's got powers and he's fighting on our side. Like, I don't know how you felt about all that, but that's it, there were times when I got annoyed with all that. I think the number of episodes was good. And as we've talked about before, we there most of the Marvel Netflix series, the seasons, what, the 13 episodes or whatever they had, it's too long a run. We complain about, well, this this year we can't complain about Game of Thrones be, being only 10 episodes, because we didn't even get 10 episodes, <laughs> but we normally complain how a show like Game of Thrones should have more episodes, but the Netflix shows always tend to have more that, we, that are really necessary based on the story that they're telling. Eight episodes was good. Sigourney Weaver, as a from an acting point of view, it was fine. I didn't really think her character was all that impressive. I didn't really no. see her as, a, as that much of a threat. And plus the way they just... It's, it's, yeah, especially when you get to the point, like, she's just one of five. Yes, and, and the way they dispose of her, you know, and it's not like... So that... That is... I didn't like that. The Electra thing was predictable, but, you know, I wasn't a fan of her character in the second season of Daredevil that much, so it made sense... Uh, Stick Stick probably isn't really dead, but it's, it kind of seemed like a crappy way to dispose of a Daredevil character. That that a, I'm just assuming, oh, you're gonna, they're gonna absolutely have to watch Defenders. So when, so so when people when you when he doesn't show up or people reference him being dead until he shows up again, people, huh? No, p- people understand that. I, yeah, I I think they did portray. I think it was funny because on some levels they said, "Oh, they kind of learned from Iron Fist because they tried to take it, you know, tried to take away the focus, which was bullshit." Because Danny Rand's character was essentially the focus of the whole show. <laughs> the, the Iron Fist, the, the the Iron Fist character in the power was really what was everything was revolving around that power because that's what the Hand wanted, and we know what the, we know what Danny thinks his quest and his mission is for, for, with having that power. But and what I, the Hand wants in the first place is is tied directly into Shaolau the Undying, and it's bones down there in, Man- in the center of Manhattan. Yep. So so the entire reason the hand's in New York in the first place, Yep. and then their whole plan has to do with Danny Rand and the Iron Fist. 
Now, I, I do agree, I do agree that they that Danny Dan, see again. I liked Iron Fist. I know I'm in the minority there. I liked Iron Fist compared to a lot of, compared to a lot of the other shows that I've watched so far. I mean, I don't like Jessica Jones's show. I'll talk about her in a second. I didn't like that show. That show was all to me about David Tennant and Luke Cage and the supporting cast, but not Kristen Ritter and her character. Not saying she played that character poorly, but she always plays the same bitchy character, so it's kind of hard to know where one ends and one begins just because she's kind of typecast and she plays the same role. So, and I didn't like, and Luke Cage, you know, Luke Cage is the best character, period, in the Marvel TV universe, but that show was uneven, as we know, because once they got rid of Cottonmouth, that season kind of like, turn so i thought the dandy ran i thought i thought iron fist worked i thought the plot moving forward worked because they kind of did change gears but yet they were still related and they didn't keep you hanging for too long for different things to be revealed and colleen was such an awesome character so i'm glad i'm surprisingly i was surprised colleen got as much of a role in defenders i knew she was obviously in it and i knew based on scenes she was going to be fighting and stuff i'm surprised she had as, as big a role to play as she did. Arguably, you know, Claire had a lot less to do than you figured she was going to. But I was, good. You know, I, I wasn't surprised that Colleen and Claire had the roles that they had. You know who actually genuinely surprised me in the amount of role uh, and involvement they had in the series was Miss Knight. Yeah, but she paid the price for that. Which we got a foreshadowing of in the Luke Cage series. Uh, but... I mean, they, they, I think actually it was today. Yes. The a, set, a, a set photo leaked from Luke Cage season two and Misty Knight's got her uh, artificial arm. So. Yep. Uh, she's got some curves, though. I, I like watching her. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I digest. Uh, uh, let's see. Um uh, yeah, so I like Colleen a lot. I actually do. I give them. I give credit where credits due because other than make, they made Danny a less likable character, but I will have to admit they to me they made Matt Murdock a much more likable character, and they make they even made Jessica Jones more likable, which is a plus. Of course, it's hard to it would be hard to make her less likable, but I actually liked Jessica Jones a hell of a lot more in Defenders than they did in her own show. And Matt Murdock, to me, this was the most human Matt Murdock that I think we got so far. So I thought I, I actually enjoyed him in the show probably as much as anybody. I don't think, even though Luke is inherently likable, I don't know if Luke was as likable in the show. As he I, I liked him, um, but I, I, I really like. See, I really like Luke, and I really like Mike Coulter. So I think I think yes. the, 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 that 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 actor is perfect for that role. So uh, it was, it was in, it was enjoyable. I liked it. I don't have any complaints about it. I think, I think some people had, you know, it's the expectation game. I don't know what people could have expected it to be any different. I know the hand on is the hand almost had to be what they were going to deal with because in a way there's elements of that in, in almost every show, if not every show. Yes, it's kind of underwhelming, um, but there were some really cool. There were some a lot of good action sequences in the show. I know obviously we know there's been a lot of complaints about action sequences in, cer- in certain other Marvel shows, including especially Iron Fist, but this kind of worked. So I'm ha- I thought it would be cool. Uh, I would look. I would definitely look forward to a second season if we got a second season of Defenders down the road. I st- it still doesn't really make me overly enthusiastic for Jessica Jones season two, but I'm I'm probably more enthusiastic for Daredevil now, and I like and I like. Everybody for, I am looking forward to Luke Cage. Hopefully the threat will be better, and hopefully the pacing will be better than you know 
where they kind of went off the rails in season in the first season. But it was good. I I thought it was good. I the fact the good thing about eight up eight episodes too is it made it a hell of a lot easier to binge watch. Mm. That I pretty much was able to finish it like in in like I may have it may have taken me uh it may have taken me like oh, I don't know if it's it may, if it took me over more more than 24 hours, it was barely over 24 hours. I think I probably watched most of the episodes the first night it came on, and then finished then finished the next night. So, and I did want to finish it. So, what? So it's not like I. It's not like with a lot of these shows that I hit the wall in, and there's a, there's a, whether it's early on because my interest isn't there yet, or my interest is that is there and it loses and it starts losing me. I didn't have to force my way through the defenders. I wanted to keep watching as opposed to the all the other shows. There's been a wall at some point that I've had to overcome. So at least from that perspective, I think the Defenders worked a little bit better for me. Yeah, the Defenders, I was able to... So the Friday it came out, uh, because my job is a chat-based customer service, I don't have to be on the phone or anything. I can listen to whatever I want to listen to. So I had I had the Defenders on. I was watching the Defenders the entire time. And by the time I left work that day, I was just wrapping up episode six. Um and just between like getting dinner and straightening up around the house and everything, I got about midway through episode eight, or, or had just started episode eight, uh, and then I fell asleep. Uh, so I the next morning I woke up on Saturday morning and turned it on and finished up Defenders with this episode eight. So it took me, I mean, if I didn't fall asleep, I would have watched it all within the first, I guess, 12 hours that it was out. So it was definitely enjoyable. Um, I felt like they took a little longer than they should have to got to get together for them to all be on screen together. But it was cool when it happened. It was it was cool when it happened though. Yes, but it, it did take a little longer than I would have liked. I would agree with that. I would actually I would say. That was that was the line of demarcation for me. I would say, Bill, the the build up was slow, but once they all came together in that in, in the building and everything else, and then they went to the went to the Chinese restaurant afterwards. <laughs> that from that point on, yeah, that's when the that's that's when the show really really that's when the show really really picked up for me. Uh, but before that, yeah, it was it was a little it was a little slow. The beginning was a little. The beginning was a little slow. Two, like the first episode was, I don't think it was particularly strong, but overall, you know, overall it was a good show. I know they they had to put the they they had to put all the pieces on the board pretty much in the first in the first episode or so, and that's what they needed to do. They needed to get Luke out of jail. They needed to you know, so they needed they needed to do all these things and had their have their goals kind of and their interests kind of like merged together. Where so it, it made sense. But it's like everything else. Sometimes it's the anticipate. Sometimes that anticipation works well, like even in the event, like in the Avengers, where you, where it's not like you could get to see them all like fighting together anytime soon. That doesn't happen till the end. But the fact that you, even the slow interaction between character A and character B and that 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 yeah. So I think it was good. I it was certainly worth the wait. I didn't watch a whole lot of previews for it. I think I watched that first that first trailer for it, and that was about it. I didn't watch the second thing that they released, but pretty good. Yeah, um, I would say. Uh, You're gonna rank them. 
No, no. I was just, I was just kind of, I was just trying to think about some of the other aspects of of defenders, but yeah, never mind. All right. Oh yeah. Next up, Inhumans. <laughs> well, we won't, I, I won't be watching that one since I don't since I don't watch Agent of Shield. So <laughs> even though, uh, even though I'm, I'm hearing, pre- I'm hearing awful, awful things, but I'm gonna give it a shot anyways because. Uh, you know, just because, quite honestly, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was probably the best show on TV of the shows I watched, uh, last season. So, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started off horrible, um, but got better and better and better and ended up being, you know, a few seasons later, but still ended up being one of the best shows on TV. So, uh, that gained a lot of big uh, goodwill back for me for Inhumans, so I'll definitely give Inhumans a shot. But based on everything I'm seeing and hearing, I may regret that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It it's a see, especially with it being a TV show. If if it was actually a movie, not necessarily with the same cast either, but if it was a movie. You might give Marvel the benefit of the doubt because Marvel's track record is pretty damn good. They deserve the benefit of the doubt. Even taking characters that most people don't really care about or know about and being able to turn them into something that, you know, that is uh, a moneymaker for them, for lack of a better way of describing it. I mean, obviously, from a, from a comic book perspective, one could certainly make the case that the Inhumans are, in the Marvel universe, that the Inhumans are better well-known and have more of a fan base probably than, than Guardians of the Galaxy ever did before they got, you know, before they became, you know, were made into a movie. So the Inhumans as a movie concept could potentially, could have potentially worked. I'm not unhappy that seemingly has gone by the wayside. But from a TV show perspective, uh, yeah, I don't know. If that's one of those things where maybe if once it goes to Netflix, maybe I'll watch it. But other than that, I seriously doubt I'm going to I'm going to have any great interest in in watching it. There's nothing that draws me into that. Even even Lockjaw is not enough to make me watch it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think I think the big thing I'm gonna have to remember going into Inhumans is. It's kind of like the, the thing you have to do when you're watching old movies. It's like, all right, the CGI and the special effects are going to suck. But let's judge it outside of the special effects. <laughs> so I think that's what I'm going to have to do. Although with Medusa's hair and Lockjaw and some of the other stuff, I feel like I may not be able to live up to that. You know, But I, 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 I think I'm going to have to try and actively make sure I withhold my... Withhold, withhold my opinion, at least based solely on CGI stuff. I think, I think as a joke, they should just, you know, just use like a normal sized bulldog and just blow him up. <laughs> just, just like old, use all the old cheesy technology of like, you know, with the projection before you, before you ever had green screen to just, <laughs> just have this, just have this giant bulldog just stuck in, so you can see the lines where he's forced into the, into the frame. <laughs> that would be funny as hell. <laughs> But nonetheless, um, oi. All right, man. Anything else? No. So we we came in a, we came in maybe slightly longer than we thought, but but not by much, really. I don't think. For sure. Yeah, I think we were on target for, for this episode, especially considering the material. 
which is a testament to our ability to bullshit people. You gotta give us, you gotta, you gotta give us props at least for that. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, if someone wants to finish, send us feedback like Corin did, or send us some some uh, stuff for episode three hundred. Uh, how do they do that? <sighs> Seven oh eight lantern is a voicemail. So that's that's if you want to leave us a voicemail like Corwin, three minutes, less than three minutes, people. <laughs> Uh, lanterncast at gmail.com that is the email to give us feedback that way website is lanterncast.com we will have more ring encyclopedia episodes more exclusive Facebook ones too by the way since I'm going to talk about a couple of new rings that I just recently uh, I ordered and received not that long ago so as soon as I get a chance to make that video hopefully within the next week maybe that'll be released some, maybe that'll be our some sometime during the week of labor the week of labor day maybe I'll actually uh roll that out uh, we're on Twitter on Facebook also GLcast hashtag excuse me GLcast to locate us on both of those iTunes and Stitcher uh, whichever platform you listen to us on please leave us a positive review and I think that's just about it alright guys yeah make sure you uh, follow up with those uh, and uh, episode 300 yeah just uh you know, ask us questions, you know, about ourselves, podcasting, our interest in Green Lantern. I mean, I, whatever you want to do, leave us feedback or, or whatever. Just give us some ideas and some content for episode 300 because um, we are edging closer and closer and closer. So if you uh, finally listen to episode 300, you're like, wow, all these other people sent in stuff. I, I really wish I would have. Uh, you won't have to feel that way because I warned you. A lot of time in advance, so get it taken <laughs> care of. <laughs> but no pressure or anything. Uh, so next, so next week, next week will be Game of Thrones. That's right. Next week we'll hope it. If everything goes well, which almost you know, which is like the kiss of death, uh, it should be Jim, Chad, and I doing our recap of Game of Thrones season seven, which will probably be less. Especially since Chad and I already more or less talked about episodes one through four, that it'll probably be a whole lot less. It won't be. I am anticipating this as being less of a walkthrough of what actually happened, almost like chronologically in, in the episodes, as more of a overall an overview of what we thought versus what we expected, winners and losers of the season, uh, things like that, and then what we and how that all projects into what we kind of expect now, or what could possibly happen, like combination of the two for season eight. So that's probably, the, in my mind anyway, it's not set in stone, but that's kind of like how I envisioned more or less breaking it down since there's no, no, I don't think there's a whole lot of point in breaking down every single episode by episode since, you know, most people listening to us for Game of Thrones will have already watched all the episodes anyway at this point. <laughs> it's more reaction to and what we think stuff means and what we were surprised with and things like that, but that will be a fun episode. Uh... So that's cool, especially since since you were you were not on last year's, right? You I don't think so. No, I don't think you were on last year's. I think I don't. I think yeah. I think I don't think you've been able to make a lot of the the recaps. So that'll be kind of cool to have all three of us on. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.